1: to the Tales of the Wrestling Tape. I am Eric Brown, your host. This is an NRE podcast set on Transistor.fm. Okay, so we've been having this debate, the royal we, not the genuine me, we thing, uh, about where I wanted to take this stuff. YouTube kicked my butt a lot. It's, to the point, it's very annoying now. And... Sometimes I, I've been having debates about whether or not if I should stop YouTube, so archival stuff is in the process of being made, but yeah, I also wanted to talk about the um, stuff regarding wrestling, and this is Tales Tale of the Wrestling Tapes, where it's an NRE podcast series where we're focusing on wrestling stuff, like wrestling show reviews, wrestling opinions, and overall some wrestling news that I don't explore on. A collective Podcast on an Anchor. So, yeah, we're covering uh, the Great American Bash event by NXT and some other events relating to wrestling and what had happened with Malachi Black, which was the most funniest thing I have ever heard in my entire life, and it also relates to Buddy Murphy. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really interesting when when you hear what happened, You laugh at it because it's just so unbelievable to the point that you have to think that this is a joke right this is an eyes to god joke it has to be a joke like you can't go ahead and say this is a joke (laughs) it's kind of amazing in that regard but yeah we're gonna get to that in a little bit but like The Great American Bash event. Like, I haven't been watching NXT as much as I used to since the Wednesday Night War happened and the pandemic struck and I barely watched that. And when NXT was still in the crowdless phase and using monitors and everything, I I couldn't really bring myself to watch it. I tried on several occasions, but it just, I wasn't kicking with it. So I ultimately went AEW. I've still been with AEW they started bringing in some more people and the pandemic was becoming less and less problematic for crowds and nxt had their big show with great american bash recently and this is the second great american bash event but it's a one-week event not a two-week event like the first time they did it which was clearly a way to you know uh wink wink nudge nudge uh you know go up against aew we were like, come on, like, I know, man, I get it, NXT, WWE, and not having AEW in their head, they, they, they really kind of do at times, and this ties into Malachi Black, aka Tommy and aka Aleister Black, <laughs> because it's so hilarious, it's so unbelievable, considering this is WWE we're talking about, but, but, like I said, we'll get to that, so, NXT had several is the NXT Tag Team Championship birth match with MSK versus Ciampa and Thatcher. We have the Million Dog Championship match King Gaming and LA Knight. And we have Zoe Stark, Io Shirai versus The Way. This is The Way. Along with Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> and. <laughs> oh boy. So some build up to this event because this was being treated as a takeover event but not in the tradition sense because this is a free wrestling event not a, not a peacock network event or network, Dede network event on, on the international stage or pay-per-view event uh, it's kind of reaching that point I'm starting to think that WWE is trying to do something about that wouldn't be surprised but MSK Choppa, and Thatcher this was actually a pretty decent match. It was solid tag team action. It, it And I, I really were rooting for Ciampa and Thatcher a little bit because because they had a great fight pit match and they're the best, better enemies, better allies kind of vibe. And Ciampa be well, Ciampa doing the clap, 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 clap thing. And... I really, I thought. I really thought, like like I said, I really thought that they had had this in the bag against MSK. Though MSK has more team history together during their time in the Independence, and Champa and Thatcher kind of don't. If this was Ciampa and Gargano, then they would have definitely won. But <laughs> and they ultimately get the win. MSK gets the win, but. Yeah, Lee gets a roll-up over him, and we get a pinfall victory, and yeah, the ending was considered a bit with a roll-up, man, but that's the WWE way, but it was really good back-and-forth action, I really did like this match, this was about 16 minutes, nearly 16 minutes or so, but quality product, it's a quality product, we still get from time to time around see. so I'm not like I would with Raw, or sometimes with SmackDown, recently with SmackDown, it's very problematic, I uh, do we'll get to that down the road, but, um, yeah, so, Samoa Joe, and like, we get more build up with Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, but Samoa Joe, who had came back from his release, because Triple H wanted him back, Samoa Joe has to the offer to be the general manager. Instead, will be will be the event of being the enforcer, the security guard, the security chief, the the, the sheriff of NXT, where he cannot lay a hand on per- a person unless he's provoked, which and John Cole suffered the horrible consequences of. Karen Cross comes out and Gargano's out. They have their stand to stand. This leads to a um, event where Cross and uh, Cross and Gargano are gonna have a match, and that Samojo will be the guest referee for that for that match. It's gonna be a classic, I know that. Because Gargano and Karen Cross. Oh man. It, it's that's a match. You, you're gonna get a guarantee. If it somehow sucks, I will cry if that was possible. But yeah along with that we get this whole battery thing going up it's up to 90 percent. it's been going up for a couple of weeks now at the time of great american bash and it's almost fully completed soon all hell will break loose and i am excited but uh yeah yeah we get a promo from kushida yeah here's the thing about kushida it's it's weird a little bit for me because I've always been so used to him being in Japan, and him still being in NXT, him being in NXT, it's just odd to me, despite the fact he's been here for about a year, about for two years now. It, it's just weird for me, and he's fought Walter. I, I think it's just because I, I saw him on, on Japan so much, on New Japan Pro Wrestling so much, that I just can't imagine being in the WWE he talks about Diamond Mine, which is led by the returning returning Roderick Strong who went from one faction to another I was honestly hoping he would have some involvement with Kyle O'Reilly and am Cole along with Bobby Fish, but I think Bobby Fish is still injured for four games but it, it, Roderick Strong and yeah, yeah, there's been no mention of if he's going to go out to Adam Cole or Kyle O'Reilly that should have been brought up. Like, is he going to focus on that or down the road or is he not? But, yeah, he talks about Diamond Mine attacking him and says he's proud to be champion, that he's ready for them. But, yeah, he's screwed. In fact, here's the thing I've noticed about, about NXT lately. If you really look at it, you got the way. This is the way. you got teams forming up in the brand. You've got several factions, you got Hit Row, you've got the Diamond Mine group, and I'm starting to think now, it's like, I'm not saying they did this deliberately, in fact I could honestly think it was an accident, but yeah, this definitely does look like AEW strategy where they just did the New Japan route where they got a bunch of factions formed up in aew like how new japan has factions in their groups like bullet club chaos los engoleros of De japon and yeah and aew took that formula and made multiple factions as well like uh the elite we got the elite from all around the world basically we got the varsity blondes we got the best friends we had all these different factions, and now NXT is copying what AEW copied from New Japan, so it's a copyception, and it's kind of amazing he did that. And now, the Million Dollar Championship match, yeah, that came back that to take during TakeOver, where LA Knight turned heel and won and beat the living hell out of Ted DiBiase. Now, if only DiBiase could come out of retirement and beat him up which will never happen because this is the 2020s now, and not the 2000s, where that could have been more possible. But LA Knight defends his title against Cameron Grimes, where if LA Knight Blue wins, Cameron Grimes becomes his royal butler. And, yeah, I, I had no care for this match. Like, it's just so odd to me. Like this may be because of my affiliation with how i see nxt from pre-2019 usa network days to now it's just this is a match i could totally imagine happening on like the mainstream shows not not the nxt brand i think because i'm still in this kind of moment where I feel like this should be a, a a raw event, not a not a NXT branded event match because it's just that ridiculous. But it's just it's just okay, I think. But I did, I had no emotional investment in this. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah and we get more battery stuff going on and we get the angsty breakout tournament competitors and surprisingly they don't have parker bow like parker like they've been teasing that for a while he was teasing that on social media for a while but he, he didn't really do that he just kind of did that he was doing all the teasing but they're not going to do it It's kind of disappointing because I've been pushing for some time now that if if anyone could defeat Roman Reigns and if you want to make a really big homegrown star for the first time in a long time, you you do that with Parker. If he is improving enough time, if he has a fast pace, if they do it well and do it right, I really think you could have a Brock Lesnar type push with Parker and really make him the next big thing in wrestling be, and WWE can go ahead and chant, we did it! We made a homegrown talent! And it's just it's just so weird they never did that. But we'll see. We'll, they still have time. We can still make it to Wrestlemania 40 by then. But, yeah, I, I kind of think Roman Reigns is keeping the towel for Zoe Stark and Eoshirai versus The Way. This is the way intensified ten times ten. So, yeah, the, the Way. is funny. Indy Hartwell is back together with uh, with a uh, Dexter Loomis. Yeah, that was the th- that's the thing. And Candice Airey is well, Candice array and she's fun trying to be this. Overly protective mother like figure to Indy Hartwell from a guy who acts like a serial killer at times. Kind of crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai, but they got the victory in this. They won the women's tag team championships. I gotta be honest, I, I still don't get this. Like, I'm like, at this point, i don't know why they made these titles if they made a secondary women's title for like the ice for an ic division fine i can believe that more but i feel like doing this women's tag team championship when you have the other women's tag team championship but vince doesn't want to give it to The NXT gals because, oh, they don't fit my idea of what a woman in wrestling should be or because I hate my son-in-law so much that I will screw him over. I even gave a position to Nick Khan one year in his early, in his first day whereas Triple H worked for like 20 years to get where he's at and now he got screwed over last year. Oh, man. But, uh, the battery goes off in this match and, yep, the battery goes up to 100%, and everyone called it Tegan Ox. And Io Shirai and Zoe Starwin are tag champions of NXT. Oh man. So Tegan comes down to the ring, and Candace tries to escape, but it's, but it's pointless. Nox gets the ray in the ring and starts beating her down, but manages to escape and run away with Nox heading hot pursuit as the champions celebrate. But Tony Storm is not happy getting any title shots anytime soon. She says, "Wreck uh, Raquel, finish and fears her." And when we'll asked about Sari's challenge from last week, she says, "Q and Sari may want to match with her, but she's not on Tony's level." And says, "No." And yeah, like I said during the ad break, Dexter Loomis, Kane Island. So, yeah. and ooh, man, it, it, there's more of this. Like, so we also get this, uh, the the uh, set for next week and everything with um, Karen Cross and John Gargano, and we get the breakout tournament match Duke Hudson versus Eichmann Jiro, but we get our main event Adam Cole versus Kylo Riley, baby, and. Oh, man, this was a freaking awesome match. It, it, I'm going to be honest. I really think it's way better than the unsanctioned match because I, I don't know why. Like, I should theoretically like the unsanctioned match more, but I didn't like it Like, because I feel like my expectation for how the Undisputed Era broke up and how it goes their separate ways and how the fallout goes is different from what they actually did. I think it partially depends on the fact that Bobby Fish is hurt and Roderick Strong just kind of disappeared into the background. And it's just, and it's like, I don't recall Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole having much, like Kyle O'Reilly was getting this late in the game push and it's just weird to have just two of the Undisputed Errors fight it out and not have all four of them compete for dominance. Just strange they did that, but in this match, Am Cole got the victory. This is 50-50 bookie style. Uh, they're gonna do the rubber match most likely soon, and then after SummerSlam, I think Am Cole's gonna get called up because apparently that's what's been going on. They want Vince, I mean, I'm Cole, but Kylo Riley and the undisputed are not considered good enough like Am Cole, so. They said, okay, well, we can't have him. <laughs> but uh, Triple H was pushing for him to stay so they can have the proper send off he rightfully from the earned. So, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. It, that's the gist of it from what I was hearing. But there is some other, there is some other stuff I wanted to get into, mostly about Malachi Black. On my WrestleVerse channel, I discussed about how he debuted, and I said that it was probably because of he got, we got out of their non-compete clause in WWE. But it turns out that's not what happened. So I got that wrong, everybody. Oh man. This was hilarious when I heard this. PW Insider Mike Johnson reported this. Uh blacks, Tommy and A.K. Aleister Black's contract. So, okay, in NXT and WWE, there's a clear difference there, how it's like a different universe. But, WWE really seems to not really get it, because Aleister Black, when he was called up, before he was called up, he was an NXT talent. NXT talents are given a 30-day non-compete clause when if they're released from NXT, the mainstream WWE. They would get upgraded to a 90-day no complete clause in their contract period. But, there seems to have been an error for his contract. They never properly upgraded upon coming out into the main roster in 2019. Which means he had a 30-day no-compete clause in his contract since he was called up. They never checked. They never updated it. Which means that WWE, for the last two and a half years had this guy on their payroll and they never knew they never knew he had his contract not updated they kept putting restrictions on every talent like for a company that has been so restrictive and adding more and more stuff in order to restrict their talent such as the third party warfare they did and all this independent contractor bs they, will, they are they don't even look they don't even take time to just look back on a page or two just to see it and Therefore, Malachi Black debuting on AEW was something they didn't suspect because, well, he's not supposed to be out till the end, near the end of August or early September. We, we didn't anticipate this. So when you hear that, you just want to laugh because that is absolutely sad they did this that they never checked and Sean Ross Sapp this on his Twitter that the person who usually handles these contracts was fired a long time ago. Which is my and he won't say that he didn't say the name, I believe. But I, I read the tweet, they think it was Mark. Car- Some people speculate it might have been Mark Carl, the guy who was fired for the trash bag incident with Mickie James and several of the women wrestlers that were calling it out. So, if that is indeed the case, they that. But he should be actually be kind of glad he was fired because Vince would try to strangle him after that. But this whole thirty-day no-compete clause—now WWE realized, oh god, oh god—we made—we done something terrible because I, Selena Vega is back on WWE now. Now it's like some people speculated for a while that that's the reason why they brought her back so they could get Tommy in to come back because. You know, his no-compete clause was still, in their eyes, 90 days. But no, he just came out one month after he was released, so now they can't do anything legally. But then Buddy Murphy, in an interview with Feifel, revealed that Daddy thought called him saying from the office saying, after he was released, saying that they received an email that they messed up and that my contract was three days, and if I wanted to prolong it to it 90 days, that they would do it for me. They thought it was weird as I was he was a budget cut, but they're still willing to pay me for another two months. But he said that uh, he read his contract letter which says August 31st. That's his day he gets he gets told he gets uh, fully released from his contract. They thought it was him who had the 389 non compete and then he found that it wasn't because he because he received a letter and he turned to relief. It went from panic to relief on the voice on the phone call that then they moved on. I uh, so Clearly, that means that, yeah, they were definitely were like, do I think they they lie and said, oh, we were thinking we had your contract in an error. No, no, no. They called him after. I think I tell. Uh, I think I think he mentioned that. I think he mentioned that it was a little bit after the show and. After he was released, they called him when they realized Malachi Black had 3D no compete clause in his contract. And they checked it out and then they pegged because Buddy Murphy was here around the time. So they were like, did we do that the same thing with Buddy Murphy? So clearly, Dodo is scared. I think they really are scared losing these people that they fired because they didn't want them to go anywhere else, or they could find a way to get them back under much lesser terms because that's how WWE operates. Like, I'm sure Selena and Samojo all signed new deals, but they're not getting paid the same amount. That they'll be paid more downside guarantee or something like that. I don't know, but... It's just... Oh, God. It was so embarrassing for WWE. WWE was so worried. It, it, like... For people that say, the tribalists who say that, oh, AEW's not in WWE's head. This is kind of definitive at this point that WWE kind of has AEW in their head. He's not, not like AEW will threaten their power of monopolizing the industry. No, 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 no. The fact that they exist is a problem for them. They can't stand it. They hate the idea that there's an alternative against them that there's something that symbolizes against the WWE machine and they won't be able to buy up as many people like they usually do. And then Nick Khan comes in and he does all the spirings and whatnot. He's protecting the talent. He's protecting his own bottom wealth here. And Nick Khan is now a person to be suspect for the fan community because he's not like Vince. Vince, I feel, is a more emotionally manipulative person. Nick Khan is the almighty dollar over concern, over status and power. So, it, it's definitely that. I definitely think something like that happened. It's certainly an interesting thing to talk about a lot. To hear this happen, but I, I still laugh at this because it's just so insane. It's really that insane to hear that that this happened. And I laughed at this. Like and me and several so other people went on Zoom and talked about this. We everyone I posted this on Twitter. They all laughed and called WWE a bunch of idiots for not even looking at their contracts. Like I get it, they're a big company. For Vince, for but for Vince to be so over controlling and having his management be so over controlling, it it's kind of a weird thing to imagine they did not look. It's hard to picture Vince making that kind of error. Like, for all the stuff we say about Vince, like, he's very meticulous in his ways of leading, whether it's good or bad. It's mostly bad these days, at least in my honest opinion. But <laughs> to the fact that he made this error, the fact that WWE made this error is so embarrassing for them. They, they have to feel a little bit embarrassed, and I'm pretty sure Vince wants to strangle the guy who didn't the contract and didn't go and update it when they had the chance. And now, now it's too late. He signed the deal. He They never re- they released him under a three-day you no-compete know, clause, so now they can't do anything. He's AEW. He's all elite. Now they can't do anything about it. It's gonna be a fun ride for, for Malik Havnick. Oh, God. It's so fucking awesome. I'm gonna love every moment of it, but yeah, this was uh, my pilot episode so to speak of tales of the wrestling tapes and man this was just hilarious but I'm gonna have to get going now so I'll see you all later everybody Uh, feel free to check out more of my content on podcasting and everything check out your services and be sure to subscribe and follow the brand stay tuned for more everyone I'll see you all next time and take care